0: Hello everyone and it was a not so super weekend for the Montreal Canadiens. We have your game recaps, injury updates, and more.
1: You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 1008 of Locked On Canadians, your daily Montreal Canadians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get your team every single day of the week, five days a week, first thing in the morning. And today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code Locked On NHL to get $100 match on your first deposit. Some terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. We are your daily Montreal Canadians podcast. Like I said, we're here five days a week to give you everything that you are looking for. I am one of your hosts. I'm Scott Matla, and I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, it was Kids Weekend, Super Bowl Weekend, Matinee Weekend for the Montreal Canadians, uh, and we got the best of both worlds, uh, the, go- the-, the bad and the even more awful this weekend. Uh, it's been... It was an experience, I think, this weekend for the Montreal Canadiens. How are you feeling uh, off the heels of their loss to the St. Louis Blues here on Sunday?
1: Well, I'm going to be really honest, and I don't want people yelling at me for this, but I did expect two losses. Um, I just thought like you, uh, you know, you said they would get a point. I also thought so. I didn't think the loss of St. Louis would be as bad um, as it was. It didn't. It felt like nobody showed up for the game. But historically, I feel like these midday games are not great for the Habs. I don't think they're great for anybody, honestly, if I'm used to performing at 7 p.m. at night. Like trying to like get like get get it together for like one p.m., which is usually when I take my pregame uh, nap. I I find is you know like they were taking their pregame nap. It was just during official NHL games. Uh, but the kids seemed to have fun. Like I was with friends yesterday walking uh, past the Bell Center as people were filing out, and it was a lot of families, um, and stuff. So at least if it, it felt like you know at least that was fun. I was a bit curious as to why they played Samy and Montabo. I mean I know I predicted that's what they would do because it was Saturday. Um, but I was a bit curious about that because I I really would have wanted to see a lot more showcasing of both the goalies that are not Samuel Montombo. Uh, but other than that, honestly, like I'm a little bit more concerned about injuries just for the, just for the sakes of the players.
0: So we will get into the injuries in the next segment because it's not like, oh, it was one or something. Uh, it's multiple potentially large looming injuries over the Canadians. I know. A change of pace it's so different for us on this podcast in the last three years that we were talking about devastating injuries to uh young pieces of this team for those who might have missed the games uh saturday i was out and about uh preparing for carly's 30th birthday party so i was able to catch bits and pieces of the habs and stars game the habs lost 3-2 to the dallas stars but honestly For a team as good as Dallas is, the Canadians kept pace with their... They lost, but it's a good loss. Samuel Montembeau looked incredible yet again. Nick Suzuki scored a goal. Cole Caulfield kept his point streak going. Uri Slefkowski scored a goal off his back foot from no angle along the goal line. Top shelf. All good things that happened in a loss to a good Dallas team. And I look at that and I go, if that is how you're going to lose games then hell yeah, sign me up, brother. That's perfect. Everyone agreed that they left that game. It's like, yeah, they got zero points, so they're dropping down the standings, and all the key pieces looked good. Outshot a little bit, but again, Dallas is a good team. So I had the feeling going into a game against the Blues, the Blues played yesterday as well at the same time as the Canadians in Buffalo. So they were traveling to this game. No matter what the Blues were traveling to Montreal for this game, And the Canadians right from the outset were not there. They gave up a goal. I believe it was 33 seconds into the game. And you could just tell it was going to be that kind of night. They ended up losing 7-2 to the St. Louis Blues. They got a five-minute power play after Sammy Blay hit Jordan Harris from behind in the head and knocked him out of the game. More on that in another segment. And on a five-minute power play... They scored at the very last second. Yuri Slavkovsky teed up Nick Suzuki. Suzuki scored. Great. Good things happening. And then the wheels fell off from there. They got a late consolation goal. I believe that made it like 5-2. They got a power play chance. And this was their last gasp to kind of get into it. Matson hits the post. Caulfield misses the rebound. And that was the last bit of it. And it was a game that got weirdly chippy. Even after the play hit where he was given five in a game, he was ejected. They're a call that I actually agree with in that regard. And then it got oddly chippy at the end and things as they often do when your team is bad and you're frustrated. You start fighting people and slashing people and everything else. It's such a letdown that the Caps game, they scored goals. They did pretty well in that one. All the key pieces were contributing in that one. Dallas game, they lost. Key pieces contributing, didn't look out of place. Uh, In the game against St. Louis, they couldn't get a save to save their lives in this one. And that's what it comes down to, is the Stars kind of scored on a bunch of ugly-looking power play goals and flukes, and the Habs had nothing. Martin St. Louis looked exhausted by the end of the game for every penalty call, every goal against, everything. He looks like a coach who is... Very, very frustrated with what is going on right now, and I don't know what else that he can do right now. They're they're so they're going to be even they're three bodies down by the end of the Blues game. It's a problem right now, and it's not it would it isn't worthwhile to ignore that fact.
1: And that's the thing. There's still some time for some bodies to be brought in. I think the big question is what does the front office want to do in terms of what gets shipped out? Like, you know, you're not going to trade your picks. You need them. You know, you're not going to trade good prospects. You need them. So like, is it like going to be a lot, a bunch of guy for guy trades just to shore up the depth just to get through it? I think that's definitely a consideration that's going to be made, but I also like, I get the sense that like the the front office is going to be reluctant to kind of do that. Does that make sense?
0: I, and the thing it's, it's a hard thing because like they clearly need bodies in right now. God do they need bodies in right now in that the it, the pieces that they are hoping to move on from aren't performing and likely will not be moved on from because there's not a lot of value for them, which is frustrating in its own right, but also they can't really afford to get rid of anything without cleaning out the AHL. And a team that is also fighting for development in playoff spots. And I know people can go with the AHL, shouldn't matter, it's the NHL's again result. But the Canadians have committed to making the best environment possible for development. And it becomes a very interesting the, what do you do? Do you sacrifice the AHL for the NHL? Because the Rocket are in sixth place right now uh, in their division one point out of a the final playoff spot, uh, and two points out of being in third place. The division is this tight out there that any half-decent winning streak in your divisional games puts you there. Uh, we should mention Joshua was recalled to Montreal. He played against the Blues on Sunday. We will get into why he was recalled in our next segment there. It, it's becoming a a point that what does this team do Alex Newhook's playing at center right now it's not perfect but it is better than two AHL centers in the lineup at one time Uh, I can understand why Brandon Jiniak is here and as a fourth line center fine perfectly cromulent but you're asking a lot of Jake Evans and Nick Suzuki and you don't want to burn out your star player before that so now what do they do I I think Martin Z. Louis has to go back to the drawing board. You leave the top line alone, but you got to kind of shuffle things again with injuries and whatnot and figure out what works.
1: And I think for me, just the the like really one quick thing is that Brendan Jiniak, like this is a reward for him, right? Like he's played so well, as you said, uh, like Scott and so many people kept asking us why why they won't give him an NHL contract. Or they, they kept asking us, why won't they call him up? And then they finally did. They gave him an NHL contract. Like, this is not something that you want ruining his career, right?
0: Yeah, it's like, I, I this is a reward for being a huge piece of the rocket this year. Point per game player, a really solid piece the last couple of years. And he got a contract extension out of it. He's extended into next season now. They very much value him as a leader at the AHL level, and is a guy who can now fill in at the NHL level, and he's going to be filling in potentially a lot more in a lot of other situations. Not only did the Habs lose two games this weekend, which in and of itself is terrible, and we don't love that, they potentially lost, they lost definitely two players, and are soon to potentially lose a third, two injuries, and we will touch on what happened there, some of the other down negative things from this weekend coming up next. But first, as I said off the top of the show, today's show is brought to you by the fine folks at Sleeper. We have passed the midway point of the season, and yes, we know the Montreal Canadiens are going to be picking top five again, but you still want to tune in to see what Uri Slefkovsky and Nick Suzuki can do, if Cole Caulfield can keep his apparently playmaking streak going, and if you want to tune in and get the most out of hockey, I recommend playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper because you can win up to 100 times your cash In daily fantasy hockey contests, all you have to do is pick whether guys like Nathan McKinnon, a suddenly red-hot Alexander Ovechkin, Connor McDavid will record more or less than their sleeper projections and things like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, or more in any given game. And to win 100 times your bet on sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight-player stats. That's it. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Just use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That is LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. We are back here at Locked On Canadians. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. If you have questions that aren't going to fit into the arbitrary uh, text amount on Twitter, lockdowncanadians at gmail.com. My co-host is at The Active Stick, and I'm at Scott Matla. And Laura, we thought the Canadians were kind of turning a corner. Yeah, Kirby Dock was going to be out for the season, but hey, Alex Newhook's back. We know Christian Dvorak's done, but Arbor Jackey's coming back up from the AHL. Raphael Harvey-Pinard's coming back from his previous injury. Uh, and then this weekend happened, and everything went right out the window in the worst possible way for the Canadians who are now very thin in a couple of spots that were unexpected. Um, I I can't overstate how sad I am about all that. It's like none of them are back. Well, one of them potentially is, but a bunch of small things adding up at once for a team that is in a very fragile spot is kind of tough to take. And again, it's not even that this is a, oh, they had an injury setback or anything like that. This is, they just got hurt in the middle of a game in some freak instances or on, you know, dirty hits. And I uh, I am truly wondering who the Canadians offended so deeply to have this level of injury luck.
1: Honestly, I don't even know at this point because it just seems like this is the third year in a row that we're talking about this and it doesn't seem like it's getting any better like last year we had legitimate questions about the conditioning of these guys the trainers the medical staff in the off season like there were some that were scapegoated and some were changed out maybe they'd been there too long but now at this point like like all of these seem to be just really luck based they're not like conditioning based and they seem like Like, I don't even know, because when I'm watching those players, it's not like they seem like they're playing by taking unnecessary risks. Like, you know who sometimes people are a little bit reckless, they play the body too much, um, and then they regret it later. Brendan Gallagher comes to mind, right? Somebody like that. Like, they're not playing at that level. It just feels like whatever they're doing, they're always in the wrong place at the wrong time facing the wrong people. Or the wrong and, boards.
0: <laughs> and that's the thing is, it's like Brendan Gallagher is, good, is able to come back in the next couple days here. I believe he's eligible to play in the Rangers game right now. and But at the same time, Rafael Harvey-Penard was put on IR after colliding with Yoel Armia in the Stars game, which looked like a really bad knee injury. So he is out at least a week. Jordan Harris was knocked out cold, concussed, and I did pretty confident in saying that because I watched the replay in which he tries to get up and cannot and very clearly was not here. I don't think Sammy Blay intentionally tried to slam his heads into the board or anything like that. It was a timing thing on a hit he could have let up on, but I don't think it was malicious in any way. That knocked Harris out of the game in the opening period against St. Louis. And then late in the game, Marco Scandella hits Caden Gooley from behind. Gooley gets up favoring what looked like his arm elbow area as he was helped off the ice. He skated off, but is clearly kind of in pain. And it's like I said in the first segment, they've already recalled Joshua. Great. If Caden Gooley is hurt for any amount of time, this is a team that is going to feel that. I think Caden Gooley is the second most important defenseman on this team. And will soon be the most important defenseman on this team. Whenever they decide what they're going to do with Mike Matheson, but it is asking a lot now that you are going to need Jaden Struble, who had an up and down weekend. I don't think he was as bad as commentary made it seem this weekend. It's Arbor Jack Eye,
1: the little sky is falling.
0: To be yeah, honest. it's
1: or like it was like a his like his his streak is over, and then he's just going to go back to being not good when. There's no evidence to show that he's never he's ever been not good, right? Like, does that that's that's it's, what it felt like?
0: Yeah, and not then because I believe Jack, I was the scratch for this. That it's like, okay, well, you have Justin Barron, you have Logan Mayu and the H.O., you have William Trudeau. Are any of them going to move the needle there without hampering even the rocket too much? Then you know, a spot where you have. Cultivated a defensive pairing system that have brought out the best in a lot of these players here. I I'm worried about what this team might do now because they know Harvey Pinard's going to be out for a minute. Obviously, Sean Monahan has gone to uh, the desolate uh, Winter pl- uh, Palace of Winnipeg. There, you have J or Jordan Harris who's going to be out probably a good chunk of time with that head injury. I would prefer him not being rushed back. And it again goes into what does Martin saying that we do now when he is juggling lines further in that Harvey Pinard, well, not a superstar, not maybe a core piece is still a guy who kills penalties is a power play user can be moved up and down the lineup here. And you are now taking that out of the lineup. You've already recalled Joshua. Emil Heineman was injured on Friday for the rocket. He did not play on Saturday. Who else are you calling up? You can call up Leah Sanderson. You can call up Philippe Maillet, which I don't think they're going to do. You could call up Xavier Simono, potentially. You could call up a Jan Meshack or whatever. But is that going to be any good for these players right now? Leah Sanderson is probably fine because he is what he is. He's probably that tweener player for this team right now. But for younger prospects, it's kind of hard to put something in there. And the injuries, I think, overshadow a lot of Saturday. And now on Sunday are going to be forgotten because of how bad the game was. But they they lost a lot of bodies. And I know that we usually do three up and three down on Mondays. And we're kind of dedicating a whole segment to the injuries because there's so much that's hanging over here. Uh, we do have to talk about the goaltending. And Jake Allen was not it on Saturday or Sunday. He just
1: doesn't want to get traded.
0: That's my theory.
1: He just he wants to stay here.
0: <laughs> then I wish that, you know, one of the other two goalies ask for a trade. You know, well, it won't be Montembeau because he's the starter, but like, just do something now because Alan needs to play more because every time he comes off the bench for one of these, he has a game. I watched a goal there, it bounced off the glass behind him and it just kind of rolled towards the net and he slowly, you know, just let it kind of trickle in. It went in his pad and into the net and it's like, these are things that cannot happen and that. I know Caden Primo is far from a proven quantity here and that Jake Allen is, but this is unacceptable. This was a game where the Canadians got sunk by the goaltending and then the injuries overshadowed that. And yes, it's a short lineup and the team is bad. Make a save. I don't, I try to not just go out and just say, make a save like it's the easiest thing in the world. But there were th- at least three goals in that game that I looked at and go, you, you got to do better than that. If you're the Canadians and you were doing everything except getting a bounce by Jordan Binnington and you're watching your goaltender at the other end let in muffins, you start to play worse defensively because you're panicking every time the puck goes the other way if it's going to go in, and it's just – it's no good. <laughs> uh, I don't – if they get an offer for anything for Allen at this point, just take it, go, get rid of it, do whatever. Uh I, I remember
1: at the beginning of this season, I was watching a game over episode and I feel like it was our good friend Ian Boivre that was on it. Ian, Ian Boivere. Sorry. I'm making you very French now. Ian Boivere that was on. And we're talking about like, who cares what the return is at this point, Kent Hughes, whether it's a third rounder or a fifth rounder, just do it. Like at this point, I don't even think he's going to net a fifth rounder or a sixth or whatever. <laughs> like, I feel like at this point it's a bag of pucks.
0: I was going to say like, we, we made fun of, Oh, we have an injury update. Raphael harvey Pernard will miss four to six weeks of a lower body injury. Jordan Harris' is day-to-day with an upper body injury. Caden Gooley is still being evaluated. I am going to redacted, 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 redacted on this podcast because we are a family show. If anyone wants my uncensored thoughts, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott Matla for the rest of that. Um... At this point, we made fun of the Leafs for offering a sixth-round pick, and I go, I might actually take that at this point just because let Primo play. And if he's going to be Cheeks, at least it means we're getting a better draft pick out of it and we can worry about that down the line. However, it is Monday. Everyone's going back to work. The NFL season is going to be over, so we want to end on a good note. We're going to talk about some of the good things happening around the Canadiens organization. A lot of great prospect news. A lot a very funny comparison that someone pointed out to me on Twitter, and we're gonna get into all that and more coming up next. But before we do, today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel and get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel America's number one sportsbook because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning five dollar bet on FanDuel. That's 150 bucks if your bet wins. So, like, come on, are the pistons gonna be historically bad? Are the raptors gonna make our boss sad? Probably. And you can look for live same game parlays, exclusive props, and quick bets with all your favorite NBA action there on FanDuel. Just visit fanduel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA and us here at Locked On. All right. So we always try to end our three up and three down episode unless I have forgotten to uh, organize things properly, in which case, uh, my bad. Sometimes I'm very tired but we always try to end with the good stuff and the laval rocket had quite a weekend against the toronto marlies they haven't played toronto in quite a while this season which is good for uh, my own mental and physical well-being they lost 6-1 on friday and lost emil heinem into an injury and things were poopy and bad and nobody was happy and then they came out on sunday saturday days are hard without Joshua Waugh, without Emil Heinemann, with Kazimir Kaskisuo in net, and hung seven goals on the Toronto Marlies. And the Rocket are continuing to be full value in one direction or the other. And now, Laura, I'm going to read you a stat line very quickly as soon as I bring it up here. And I'm going to read you another stat line as well. And I want you to tell me who they belong to, because I think it is very funny that we are going to do this. This player, they are 20 years old, playing in the AHL right now. They have played 42 games, have 18 goals, and 14 assists, and are a minus 4. Who's, and then player 2, is also 20 years old, soon to be 21, has played 45 games in the AHL this year, has 11 goals, 21 assists, and is a 0 plus-minus. Who is player one?
1: Okay, well, <laughs> I already know one of them. I just I have no idea who the other one is. The only <laughs> reason I know one of them is because I know it's Logan Mayu. Um... <laughs> yes.
0: Well, Logan Mayu is player two. Player okay. one is uh, the glare master himself, Shane Wright. What? Shane Wright has 32 points in 42 games for the Coachella Valley Firebirds in the AHL this season. So he has the exact same amount of points as Logan Mayu. The difference is Logan Mayu is a defenseman playing on a a team that is struggling to find consistency, whereas Coachella is leading, is the second-best team in the Western Conference, and he is playing as a forward. A lot (laughs) of people are making – we talk about the whole Slavkovsky comparison and the Shane Wright things and this and that. Uh, Shane Wright has still not played – I think he's played three NHL games this year. Uh, Slavkovsky in his last 22 games has 16 points and I believe is closing in on, everyone was talking about how Logan Cooley was lighting up the score sheet and this and that Logan Cooley has 25 points. Uh, Uri Slavkovsky has 24 after today's game. Slavkovsky has four more goals and, um, it'll be one, two, three, four or less assists four less assists than that. Uh, for all the hand-rigging that kind of came out about that, I part of this was to point out that Logan Mayu has been playing very well, even with, you know, we still have concerns about some of his defensive issues that he has worked on those. The offense has come very naturally at the next level. I want to point out that Uri Slavkovsky, and we talked about this in the first segment, the more good he does every game, the less and less that I care about the scoreline because his development is so crucial and Laura, you watched more of Saturday's game than I did, but compared to last season, Uri Slefkowski is just an entirely different player at this point.
1: Like, we kept talking about, like, will he take the next step? I think he's taken, like, five steps, right? I think he's definitely showing us why they had that confidence in him. And he's definitely showing us why so many people took notice of him in those international tournaments before really anybody kind of really cared all that much before before it was Shane Wright versus uh your so the more time goes on the more confidence i have in that choice that the canadians made and he seems to be also adapting very well to the attention that he gets here um there um There, you know like he seems to not be letting it get to his head he seems to be able to manage it he seems to be able to he's even like being humorous about it like there was this interview with him I believe it was in a Slovakian paper and then translated so I don't know if I'm accurately translating this but um, it was you know he's gonna give you his attention and his autograph and stuff but only if you're nice (laughs) Um, which I thought was really funny like it was like kind of humorous where he's like you know uh, he he's taking it all in stride. He's understanding his star status and he's also not letting it get to his head. Um, and I, I thought that was, you know, like he just seems to be a lot more calm than he used to be. And that's in resulting in him making the better decisions and making the right decisions and also doing that thing that we want him to do, which is anticipating play. Like that was something that we didn't think he was necessarily doing to the best of his ability last year. And I think this year, the fact that he's participating by like with that instinct, like the the choices he's making are instinctual and they're the right ones. Right. So I think maybe he was overthinking it potentially before he wasn't trusting his instincts or maybe his instincts have just grown with his maturity level. I don't know, but there seems to be a sort of presence on the ice that is like well thought out um, in addition to using his extremely large body to make plays.
0: And that's the thing is that he just seems so much more confident and that I don't really know how else to to you know say it is that he just looks like a completely new player is that he's doing things with authority and just absolutely, he, he fits seamlessly on a line with Suzuki and Caulfield, and they're all making each other better. Like, Caulfield's going to end the season with over 30 assists if he keeps up this pace, which is not what we expected on a line where Nick Suzuki was going to be the playmaker and Caulfield the finisher and then X third winger was going to be that. Uh, and Andrew Berkshire on Twitter just posted a, a thread about this, that Nick Suzuki, even in a weekend where they are getting blown out, Nick Suzuki's doing some incredible things statistically. And it is just for all the talk, is Nick Suzuki a 1C? Is he actually worthy of being captain? Was he worth that contract? The answer is yes. And he's doing this without Kirby Doc, without Sean Monahan, without even Christian Deboric. that I know that there are flaws. He's doing this with Jake Evans, a winger playing center, and an AHL center. And he is just carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders. He is such an impressive player. Uh, to kind of uh, transition to one final like really important thing I wanted to talk about here, Owen back since being traded to Saginaw and coming back from world juniors in 15 games has 24 points. He has nine goals and 15 assists. He had 30 points in Peterborough in 25 games earlier this year. Uh, Lauren Kelly will probably be able to tell us more. We're hoping to get her on the show heading into draft season here so we can talk about all of our favorite OHL people. Uh,
1: in particular, Owen Beck. <laughs> in particular,
0: Owen Beck, who is just lighting it up. And I know a lot of people are ready to slide him into the NHL lineup and everything. But uh, if I don't highlight how good Logan or Logan Beck, Jesus, how good Owen Beck has been recently, uh, I'm going to get yelled at for that. And I, it's amazing what a change of scenery can do for a player there. Uh, and then Lane Hudson is Lane Hudson. He has 35 points in 25 games this year. He's absolutely silly, and I love him to death because he infuriates so many people because they're like, he shouldn't be good because he's tiny, and to which I say, well, you should have drafted him then, and that's your problem. He is actually the highest scoring defenseman in the NCAA this year. The next closest person is Zev uh, behind him, but... Lane Hudson does Lane Hudson things. And we love when Lane Hudson does Lane Hudson things because soon he will be doing Lane Hudson things in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. Uh, And I am very excited. Laura, did you have anyone else you wanted to shout out before we wrapped up the show today?
1: I, I'm going to be honest. Mine was Slavkovsky this week. (laughs) My big one was I wanted to talk a lot about him. So we did that.
0: I was going to say, and we will talk plenty more about him. As long as he keeps giving us reasons to talk about him, we will keep checking in with that until next time we are locked on Canadians. You can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians, locked on Canadians at gmail.com. If you were wondering if we we're going to touch the Morgan Riley situation, tomorrow's episode, because we need to dedicate enough time to cover all of that. And the responses we've seen from there follow Laura on Twitter at the active stick. Follow me at Scott Malice, subscribe wherever you get your daily podcast and we will see you all next time.